Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Steven. And Kyle. And today I got a good cryptid story out of uh, the good old UK that I'm going to share with everybody. So, kind of stoked on that. Uh, before we do that, we're going to get through all of our business. So check us out at all of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, Discord. Come and hang out with us. Be part of the Hollow Cult. And... Just be weird. Kyle's back in the studio today, coming off a little illness kick. It's glad to yeah. glad to see him and get to hang with him for a little bit. Likewise, man. I'm I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, not a hundred percent though. Not really sure what's going on with me. I had some lab work done, EKG work done, all types of stuff. Seems to be coming back positive, but I don't know. I'll probably turn into a guinea pig before long just to try to figure out what is actually actually going on. So for all of those that may or may not have noticed the lack of presence in Discord or Instagram or wherever, that's the reason why I've had some medical issues and just trying to take care of myself. <laughs> and shout, shout out to everybody that reached out asking about him. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, that was that was awesome. He is alive and here kicking it. Yep. So, good news. Facts. Uh, fuck, where the fuck are we at here? I don't know. I don't either. If you have uh, paranormal experiences that you'd like to send to the show, Kyle's here with all the info, all the 411 on how to get it to us. Yeah, you can call the holophone, which is going to be 1618-556-0837. Leave your story there on the voicemail, and it's it's only four minute intervals, so you know keep that in mind. You can text it, you can communicate with me once in a while. I don't always keep it on me because of my job. The phones usually end up getting really disgusting with like wood chips in them and clogging everything up. But you can also write your story out or record it using the voice memo app or anything like that, and shooting that over to the email, which is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail also, if you would like to sit down and do an interview with us for our Patreon, you can send that over to hollowskyinterviews at gmail.com. Heck yeah. Uh, we had a couple other things we we're going to touch on today in the business. Um, if you have, I know people have been reaching out to us here and there. If you have any uh, podcasts that you're really privy to that you enjoy, that you are interested in maybe us doing a swap cast with having their hosts on our show, maybe going on their show, uh, feel free to recommend them to us and put our name their way as well. Kind of kind of get it intermingling there. Yeah. We'll see what we can uh, pull together. We got some, th- some things set up in the future to get some other podcast hosts in here and do some, some swapping. So it should be cool, but if anybody out there has any uh, any host you think we mesh with good or spark some good conversation, throw our name their way and their name our way. Please. Uh, Kyle had a couple other things he was going to touch on before yeah. we move forward. Uh, I don't know. I've been running it back because I see a lot of people do live shows, right? So I was curious to see how many people locally listen to us and maybe if you would be interested in something like that because we have the equipment to do it you know i've got uh pa speakers 
we can literally do an episode right there with everybody because the way our mixer works and I can run the PA through it and record an entire episode. You know, it'd be something we probably sell tickets to. That way people who want to be there are actually there, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Something I've been chewing on. Was interested to see if anybody would want to intend that and kind of maybe get a head count and see if it's even plausible at this point. Yeah, like a like a live town hall meeting that we could turn into an episode. Yeah. It'd be cool. Yeah, I think it, I think it could be a really good time. Pretty dope to get out there and yeah. mingle with everyone, all the cult members. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, got tons of ways to do it. Got a Patreon. Hop over there. Check that out. Uh, to all our new Patreon members, remember to send us a DM with your shipping address. And if you're in that uh, $10 tier, send us your shirt size. Very Please. important. Very important. Yes. We also have a Venmo if you'd like to pop some monster money over there to support our bad habits. We appreciate you. Uh, you can, first and foremost, definitely share the show. Tell everybody. Post it on social media, word of mouth, whatever you can do to keep the show rolling. Uh, we are, as of right now, which when this comes out, it'll be oh, two Saturdays ago. We are right on the cusp of one million downloads. Yeah, which by by this time this comes out, we'll oh, yeah. be over a million. We we if we hit it by Halloween last Monday, it'll be a miracle. We're we're close, but I think we're gonna miss it by an eyelash. I do too. But we're still doing better than our original because we wanted to hit a million by the end of the year. Yeah. We're about three months ahead. All thanks to you guys and putting in the work. Yeah, we drove that date up <laughs> because we were doing so well. Yep. Over over we got overcompensated a little bit. That happens. Gotta shoot big. Yep. Uh you can also go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five star rating and review. Uh that helps get our name out there. It helps it pop up when people search for paranormal and weird shit. I will shout you out on a future episode if I can find your rating and review. Our five-star rating and review today comes from our friend, Gang Gang Buzz Buzz 82 <laughs> My guy. I love saying Gang Gang. It's so awesome. Gang Gang says, love the podcast, boys. Found you guys through the Merc Man, and I've been binge listening ever since while I work. Love the banner between you two. It brings the podcast to life. Would love to see you guys do a swap cast with TOT3K, which is Theories of the Third Kind. You guys cover a lot of the same stuff and have the same juvenile sense of humor that I love. Keep bringing the heat, and I'll be sending a story in that my wife and I went through years ago. Gang, gang. First off, thanks so much for taking the time to leave a five-star rating and review. Second first off, dope name. Yeah, gang, gang, again. Uh, also, I don't know if you've sent your story in yet, because I didn't get an email from Gang Gang, but definitely send it in and shoot our name out to the theories of the third kind, guys. Yeah, for sure. See, like, just put our name in their ear, and we'll we'll reach out see what we can see what we can do. Because if there's one thing we like, it's people that share our childish sense of humor. Agreed. <laughs> On to our listener experience of the day. This was submitted to our website from our friend Katie. I read through this one a little bit, and it's it's kind of creepy. Kinda All right, creepy. well, let's do this. It's a, it's a longer one, so we're going to roll right into it. Katie says, hey, guys, I love your podcast, and it makes the drive home from work much easier to meander through. Also, my cousin's names are Steven and Kyle. It always makes me chuckle when you guys That's introduce weird. yourself in the best way. What a Synchronicities abound. There you go. My story isn't all that enticing because nothing really happened i guess 
but there was another person with, with me. I've been sensitive for a while to the paranormal, though I've become much more of a skeptic over time. To make a long story short, with a lot of teenage angst and a fear of upsetting friends uh, taken out, I grew up in Utah. My family moved to Arizona. I briefly moved back to Utah a couple years later. My best friend, I'll call her A, has been my best friend since we were awful, loud preteens gallivanting around our local supermarket because it was only fun we could create for ourselves. We must have been around 21 at the time of this story, though it's now almost been though it's now almost a decade old, which is insane to me because I have no idea where the time went. I feel that time is soup. Uh, I still remember it ridiculous, ridiculously vividly, despite dealing with near constant threats of disassociation following a miserable period of my life. We decided to drive the 10 hours from Utah to my parents' home in Arizona because my grandma, aunts, and uncles were visiting. My grandma was probably 82 or so, she's now 90, and lives in upstate New York. We don't get to see her as often as I would like, and my best friend wanted to see her as well. We decided in true young adult fashion that we wanted to drive the entire way that night. Limitless energy, road rage, and a feeling of invincibility as a young person just makes you pack up and hit the road at 10 p.m., I guess. We've made this drive a million times. There are big looping canyons, miles of open highway, and very little else in between. My point is, I know the road pretty well. I know the drive because I'd gone back and forth many times to visit friends after I moved, and then to visit family because I'm overly attached and needy when I moved again. In any case, we were on the highway, familiar, albeit pitch black. The energy in the car had become a bit manic because it was roughly two in the morning by then. We were both quietly regretting our decision. It was at that point in a road trip where you see the hours ahead of you staring you down and you just want to pull over and wail for a hot second. We did not. We just kept driving. I was driving my little SUV and we were literally howling with our delirium as we cha- or changed lyrics to her boyfriend's favorite song and yelled our rendition into the open dark night ahead of us. The car always has been a bit wobbly, but steady as anything. And I remember going probably 90 in a 65 as one does, wiggling every so often trying to wake myself up. We were near tears, and I was doubled over from my steering wheel cackling when suddenly we missed our exit, except our GPS never gave us a heads up. We laughed at our own inability to follow directions, and we notably passed one of those small towns in the middle of nowhere USA exit that just loops back around onto the highway. My GPS sent us past this exit. We could have gone back a couple miles and hopped off where we should have, but instead it wanted us to exit somewhere else. That somewhere else turned out to be a beaten up, dim, unused dirt road a few miles from a sign indicating that we were now firmly in a reservation. I'm going to reiterate again that I've driven this route too many times and I've never been taken this way. The route I take does cut through a reservation, but it's always just highway. It's never ever taken me down a dirt road, and it's never taken me back there again. I followed the GPS because I was a dumb person entirely reliant on navigational software, and this road was shit. It made my car lurch and jolt and bounce and bob, and I slowed down a bit because it was riddled with tall spools of hills unfurling ahead of us. These hills were tall enough that the first few startled me because it looked like we could just have crashed into a very solid mound of earth. A few of these hills go by. As I was muttering and huffing by now, I rate that this damn GPS had just decided to shove us into what could have been someone's private property. My best friend was slouched in the back or slouched back in the passenger seat, tipping her head to watch the black sky go by. I don't know how to pinpoint when it changed, but the car just felt tense. I could have been the spooky darkness and the general time of night, but it was a tangible shift. Then we saw him. The dirt road was lined with desert on both sides. Cacti springing up in a few feet, springing up a few feet, only visible in the flashes of the headlights between the hills. 
it was sparse. Tumbleweeds were caught on each each side of the car, or on each other to the sides of the car, and I was worried the road would veer at any moment. But he distracted me. He appeared first between a couple cacti, a potential trick of the headlights splashing over his two tall earthen companions, but he was distinct. I thought he was a scarecrow. That's how he was dressed. What made my heart seize up and my lungs abruptly stop was his face. He had sun-leathered skin, and it appeared in heavy splotches, tattered in one cheek and whole, er, and whole on the other. Uh, it did not hang grotesquely by any means, but it was not as skin should be. His gnash, he gnashed his teeth in a menacing snarl, arms held out to his side as he glared at our approach with a sunken, dull, uh, cur, chrysanthemum yellow eyes. He wore a red plaid shirt with varying stains and ruinous rips down the front, hanging limp over a grungy pair of jeans. A weathered straw hat coming undone, as it seems, sat askew on his head. The patchwork of discolored skin molted up the side of his skull, as well as clumps of dead straw-colored hair. My grip tightened exponentially on the steering wheel, until my knuckles ached and my nails bit into the rubber. I felt my lips press on themselves, my shoulders hunching, as I pressed my foot down on the gas. I had no interest in being mindful of my car for anyone. I sped up, and my best friend didn't say anything. I decided it must just have been me, and we continued on our ill-found path, and then I saw him again. My headlights picked him out as he stepped forward around another cactus. I kept going. I wasn't going to say if she had seen it or not. The third time, he stood with what I remember as hay, but I can't totally recall. The most striking memory was of him with the cacti. My best friend pulled out a tears or puffed out a tierce breath and turned her head to me and said, Do you see him? I told her I did, and we were both silent, our jovial goofy cackling long gone. Long gone. She tried to ease the mood with some nervous humming, but he approached again. We crested one hill tucked between a couple more, and he stood down the middle of the road. I didn't stop or slow down, and by the time we were over the second hill, he was no longer there. He was always just ahead of us, never behind us, and I was just desperate to get away. I didn't know how long the road was when I turned down it, and she kept checking the GPS as casually as she could. I think neither of us wanted to get the other one riled up or reactive. That's about as much of the story as I feel pertinent. We left the road and turned onto the pavement and said goodbye to our friendly neighborhood scarecrow pal. We made it and crashed at my parents' house and had a really fun visit with my family before we headed home and didn't miss any exits. I'm sorry that was so long-winded. I just wanted to give you enough of a story to have some conversation. I'm also sorry if it sounds pretentious. I'm an English major and have been writing papers and other assignments all week. I hope this email finds you both well and thriving, and I hope you both have a very nice day. You're doing great. Everyone gets negative feedback sometimes. While it can be a bit crushing and hurtful to feel your efforts are dismissed or unnoticed, you can bounce back from it. You have people in your corner and supporting you. While I can't support on the Patreon, struggling university student desperately trying to adult after a divorce... I eagerly look forward to each new episode. You're doing well, especially for having day jobs and families. Get some rest and take care of yourselves. Don't forget to drink water. Katie. Katie, first off, thank you for the kind last paragraph there. Yeah. That kind of hits home right now. Yeah, it doesn't go (laughs) unnoticed when you guys support us and just shower us with kind words because that's what that's our motivation, really. And it's easy for people to critique and talk down on the content that we put out. But I think it it stands for more when people appreciate it. Oh, yeah. It definitely 
It definitely helps. It helps take uh, the sting out of all the other bullshit, which we are forever appreciative of. And a lot of people constantly remind us that we do pretty decent stuff over here at the Hollow Skeets. But there's always people that remind us that we could do better. Do better. <laughs> I knew that word was coming, that do phrase. Do better. But on to your story now. Definitely well written. I enjoyed reading it. And uh, now I'm going to have to search up and see if there's any sort of scarecrow-esque humanoid that is persistent in the paranormal. Because as of right now, this is the first one that I've heard of. It definitely is suspect because like, she made it sound like because she said nothing happened exactly, but something did happen. Like this creepy ass thing, dude, was constantly getting ahead of you whenever it shouldn't have been able to do that. No, then that... and and if like okay, let's pretend it was a scarecrow. One would have to assume that there would have been multiple ones on oh, this road, right? That. Fuck that. But if it was the same one, and if you seen it move. Okay, well, then this rules out the fact that somebody may have put up multiple sets of, the, of a relatively same scarecrow, right? So right there in itself, even the feat of a person trying to get ahead of you like that is nearly impossible, especially in the darkness like that. Like, that's... Imagine... I couldn't even... I could not imagine it being pitch black... Because you you would think that the the car lights would ruin your night eyes, your night vision, you know. Yeah. So and then you you turn to run to get ahead of this car again and just run face first into a cactus. <laughs> and just man, I don't know. I got my brain turning now because first off, you have the GPS that screwed up, which and just happened to take you down this road. It which, does do that from time to time, but. It also with the with the technology malfunction, it also falls into like uh, UFO paranormal right, yeah. territory. Then that makes me think that whatever you're seeing out here could be some sort of fucked up screen memory where you're remembering seeing suck. a scarecrow. But that sucks. Yeah. So think back on that. Did you miss? I know. I know you didn't take the uh, the OG route, but did you have any noticeable miss, missing time? <clears throat> because I know whenever. You're in that state where you're tired, and then you get so tired that you just kind of start getting loopy, loopy, for lack of a better word. Yeah, we've been there. Yeah, driving over from Crypticon in 2019 was a mess. I saw Buzz Lightyear while I was awake. Screen memory from the UFO that abducted us. I hope so. That's a... Well, guess what? Them using Bud Lightyear was a dick move. You should have done better, because... I don't know, Katie. It's weird. It is a weird story. It's creepy. Scarecrows. It would are scare fucking me. Fucking creepy. I, I would be freaked out because I kind of thought maybe it was a flannel man encounter, since he was wearing flannel. But I don't know. It's it's fucking weird. And he had the creepy ass menacing grin. And... Yeah. Nope. I'm done. Yeah, that would have been a good Halloween one. Yeah, I would have took off down the road too. Yeah, good call. Fast as my car would take me. I'll I'll try to dig in if I can remember and see if there's any other accounts of weird uh, 
scarecrow-esque humanoids. It was probably fucking Jeepers Creepers. Oh, yeah. Be eating you. Gross. Yikes. No thanks. But again, thanks for uh, submitting your story and for leaving us all the kind word, Katie. I hope uh, everything's going well for you. I know how that post-divorce life goes. Hope school's going good. Uh, just thanks for being dope. Yes, much appreciated. So, from there, we're going to move into this little uh, cryptid. I say cryptid, but it's weird. I'm, I was going to speak on this, but I'm going to do it anyway. That I keep seeing in the paranormal community, people are getting angry with content creators and researchers and stuff using the term cryptid out of scientific context. What? Like using, like calling the Mothman a cryptid. What the fuck else would it be? A a cryptid, I was trying to like, I guess a cryptid itself is is an animal. There's like evidence for, they they almost want to take, they want to take the supernatural aspect out of it. And leave it in scientific context. So okay, here's here's my my take on this. Shut up. <laughs> like why why why? They just I don't know. Everybody wants to rain on everybody else's parade. You know I I'm I'm usually an extremely polite person, uh, but just shut up. <laughs> like it's that's so petty. It's so yeah. petty to do that. I guess, like, in my opinion, it's super petty to be like, "Oh, don't call the Mothman encrypted." Well, who ca- who cares what label you want? I could call him a fucking crayon. For they're all they're like matters. they're they're humanoids, not cryptids. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess I do see that point, but like, come on, is it really that big of a deal? <sighs> yeah, I'm just you know what I mean. Like, is it really that I big? I saw of a it. Deal? And I'm like, this is really the hill they're trying to. They're kind See, of die upon. Exactly. That's where I'm at with it. Like, come really, on. like, let's come on, man. Like, you're playing checkers right now. Yeah. Just a, just another talking point for just, somebody to be mad about. Yeah. Anyway, this humanoid that I'm going to talk about today, I actually wrote most of this episode back uh, when I did the Sam the Sandown Clown episode because I was just going to do a, a, a double cryptid episode for uk cryptids Ain't wrong um, sam that up yeah can't call cryptid I'm, I'm, can't do I, it i just got i just got paranormally canceled that's why <laughs> By that's why we are the bastard sons of the paranormal that's right that's what we do but sam did the research on him and he just kind of evolved into his own thing so i stepped away from this and now I'm seeing it gain more traction more and more traction more and more people talking about it so i'm like fuck it better put it out this cryptid humanoid is the Owlman of Montan. Uh, I believe the belief whole boys touched on him a little bit. There is a YouTube channel called Shrouded Hand. I used uh, them as a reference when writing this on top of what I've already written. They, uh, the dude over there at Shrouded Hand, he put a lot of extra good like twists on. Definitely go over there and check his episode out on it. So... The first reported sighting of the Owlman took place in the town of Monan in Cornwall on the 17th of April, 1976. The Melling family, consisting of Don, his wife, and their two daughters, June, that was 12, and Vicky, 9 at the time, were camping out having a picnic near Monan when they uh, were setting up 
they let their daughters run out and play in the wooded area. There was this big uh, medieval church, St. Stephen's Church. And while the parents were setting up the picnic, the daughters went off to play in the cemetery, which is the beginning of any kind of terrible encounter. Right. Not long after, Don and his wife heard screams from the direction of the church, and they saw their daughters sprint toward the family's car. Inconsolable by their parents, the sisters told their parents that they need to get out of there immediately. They have to get away. Once they were safely back at the campsite and in the car, the sisters told their parents what they saw. They said while playing around the gravestones, playing hide-and-seek, June and Vicky heard a strange sound in the sky before, spy- or before spotting a large bird-like human hovering a few feet above the church's bell tower. They said it had the body of the man, but it had large wings of a bird. Later that day... Don confronted a paranormal researcher, researcher named Tony Doc Shields at this uh, state fair kind of thing they were going to. He had heard through the grapevine that this Doc Shields was responsible for a lot of paranormal happenings in the area. So Don being like the super dad is like, what? what the fuck did you have going on out there at the graveyard? My daughters are absolutely terrified. And he accused Shields of pulling some sort of prank on the daughters. Shields professed his innocence before asking if he could speak with June and Vicky about what they saw. Don refused a meeting between Shields and his daughters, who were still absolutely terrified by the incident, but he gave Shields a drawing that June had made of the Birdman that they saw. Now, following the Mellings encounter... A number of eyewitness reports of the owl man began to surface around Monan. Two more girls encountered the creature, Sally Chapman and Barbara Perry, both age 14, while on a camping trip a few days later. The teenagers reported hearing a strange hissing sound from outside their tent. As they would go to investigate, they would see a terrifying beast standing and watching them about 20 yards away from their campsite. They said he was as large as a man with the face of an owl and covered in gray feathers. He had pointed ears and glowing red eyes and sharp claws. At first, the girls thought it was someone in a costume just messing with them. But once the figure spotted the girls looking back at him, it flew up into a tree, uh, into the trees and then disappeared into the night. According to Shields, he received this eyewitness account from the girls after bumping into them at the beach located between St. Monan and St. Stephen's Church. The next day, two more girls had an encounter in the same area. A letter was sent to a local paper on July 4th, 1976, that uh, the girl and her sister was playing near a church in Monan when they spotted a creature in a tree, as big as a man, but its legs bent backwards like a bird's. Glowing red eyes and its feet resembled crab claws, and when it noticed the girls had spotted it, it flew off into the woods. More sightings followed between 1976 and 1995, but the total number wasn't particularly high. In the summer of uh, 88 or 89, the stories I looked up differed. A teenage boy claimed an encounter with the owl man while, while on vacation with his girlfriend and her family. While the couple took an evening stroll, possibly near St. Monan and St. Stephen's, Stephen's Church, uh, describing the incident, he didn't come out until six years later, so his memory of the whole event was shady at best. He stated that they came across the figure standing in a tree approximately 15 feet above them. He recalled the creature being about four feet tall with a head of feathers, the body of a man, a flat face, again, pinchers or crab claws for feet, 
and a light gray colored with long long wings. Terrified, the couple watched the creature until it jumped down behind a tree and they took the opportunity to run away. Yet another sighting came, and as often mentioned in uh, online forums, came from an American student who studied biology. She claimed to see the Owlmare near St. Monan and St. Stephen's Church when visiting the area. In 1995, she wrote about her experience in the Western Morning News, a daily regional newspaper for Southwest England. Uh, I've been unable to find the article, uh, so I can't actually confirm that the report exists, but everybody kind of talks about it. In a book called Britain's Paranormal Forests, Encounters in the Woods, uh, an author named Peter McHugh describes an Owlman testimony he received from a woman named Barbara Finnell, who ran a paranormal investigation group based out of London. A member of her group claimed to know someone who had an encounter with the Owlman, who McHugh refers to as Kate. Barbara met with Kate, who testified that she, she saw with her friend Anne on the evening of May 1978. While walking home on the road along St. Monan and St. Stephen's Church, Anne began to cry and point frantically toward the church claiming she saw a man with wings. Kate wrote in her statement to Barbara, and I quote, I looked back and I saw a huge bird-man-like creature starting to fly towards the farm. It was sort of rising after taking off. It seemed about four feet long and had a pointy beak and huge eyes. They weren't red or anything, but they were looking at us. And here's the thing, though. It had human-like features, such as a mouth and lips, but with a beak where the nose should be. The wings were the scariest part. They were almost like a huge feathery cloak, which seemed to move together as it flapped. They hardly seemed to separate, like a bird's wings do. Even to this day, I've never seen anything so bizarre. Again, that account was in uh, Peter McHugh's Britain Paranormal Forest Encounters in the Woods. Kate and Ann hid in a hedge while the creature watched them. The only sound in the air was the flapping of its wings. Eventually, the creature would disappear into the woods, leaving the girls terrified and confused. Kate told Barbara that no one believed her story despite rumors circulating Monan about the Owlman sightings. She wrote, After all these years, I can only say that I don't believe that it was a bloody owl. A few common details emerge with all the sightings that came about. Uh, they all kind of occurred near the churches. St. Monan and St. Stephen's. Uh, most of the witnesses were teenagers uh, or children when they had their Alman encounters. Outside of the one teenage boy who saw it with his girlfriend, all the witnesses were female. They all described the Alman in a similar way, head of a bird, body of a man. Uh, none reported the Alman as being aggressive, just creepy and kind of just lurking around. Once spotted, he always took off and did not attempt to pursue. Uh, oh, yeah. I got this this story confused with one of the earlier ones. So this earlier story of the woman from the United States was not a biology student. She was just a woman from the United States. And this actually might also be her encounter that I came across here later. Uh, this sighting was from 1995 in the form of a letter sent to a local paper. Yeah, this is probably it. So the story I referred to earlier that I said I couldn't find the article, apparently I did. It says, Dear Sir, I'm a student of marine biology at the Field Museum in Chicago. On the last day of summer vacation in England, uh, on the last day of a summer vacation in England, last Sunday evening, I had the most unique and frightening experience 
in the wooded area near the old church of Mona and Cornwall. I experienced what I can only describe as a vision from hell. The time was 15 minutes after 9, more or less, and I was walking along a narrow track in the trees. I was halted in my tracks when, about 30 meters ahead, I saw a monstrous man-slash-bird thing. It was the size of a man with a ghastly white face, a wide mouth, glowing eyes, and pointed ears. It had huge clawed wings and was covered in feathers of silver or gray. The thing had long bird legs, which terminated in large black claws. It was... Uh, it saw me and then it arose, floating toward me. I just screamed and ran away from my life. The whole experience was totally irrational and dreamlike. Friends tell me there is a traditional or a tradition of a phantom owlman in that district. Now I know why. I've seen the phantom myself. Please don't publish my real name and address. This could adversely affect my career. Now I have to retake, rethink my whole word worldview entirely. Yours, very sincerely scared, I witness. So those are most of the uh, encounters that I found online and uh, through other content creators and through uh, a bunch of websites that I looked up. There is a ton of theories going around that we will kind of touch on here. I made a whole bunch of notes about them. Hey, Hollow Cult, the weather's getting nice, and you know what that means. It's cryptid hunting season, and the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tecovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tecovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have... Crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots. They they have it all, and it's re- it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. So just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin Hollow Sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's weird how similar it is to Mothman. Yep. That's Super cool. similar, but it does have its differences. That's one of the, uh, the theories I get into. The first one I'm going to talk about is that the owl man is just a big fucking owl or a bird. Uh, Shrouded Hand found this article if you go over and watch his episode he'll post the whole article but in 1926 which is essentially the very first time there was a report of a large bird sighting two young boys were reported being attacked by a large bird and monan was uh is often cited as the first report of the owlman the actual newspaper article was almost impossible to find but shrouded hand managed to find the article of the owlman 
or in the book, The Owlman and the Others by Jonathan Downs, and concluded by the description given that the boys were probably just attacked by a large goose, as no humanoid features were reported. Uh, in the article that Shrouded Hand posts, it says that the bird was about three feet long from tail to beak and had a wingspan of four to five feet. But again, the kids never mentioned uh, any kind of humanoid features. So it's kind of attributed to the sightings, but then again, it just kind of sounds like it was a big-ass bird. Right, it very well could be. And with, like a, The problem you have with certain things is people get really excited and like to make connections where they aren't there. You know what I mean? Like, yep. You could easily be like, oh yeah, well, kids they misinterpret uh, size and such all the time. So this is probably the owl man. It's just they didn't know what to say. Maybe they got coached into saying that it was there were no features or whatever the case may be. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely could see how this could or could not be related to owl man in itself. And this the description they give just I mean it, I read it I didn't yeah, it doesn't want feel to the say same. It verbatim definitely check out shrouded hands video he posted an actual picture of the article from the book I I did order the book Owlman and other and others so hopefully it gets here before too long I'm interested to see what other humanoids are in there but back to the story Owlman's just an owl so as we know owls are kind of creepy anyway and they're kind of steeped into the paranormal a little bit. Right. One of the articles I used as a, a source touched on a whole bunch of uh, mythology uh, behind owls. So I kind of noted these. It says the, for, Ro- for the Romans, uh, an owl's hoot was a sign of death. And to Roman soldiers, their presence was a sign of impending defeat. Uh, Roman author Pinley the Elder in his first natural or natural history from the first century described the owl as the monster of the night and a direful omen to see it in the city. Uh, in the Bible, Levit- Leviticus 11, when God is instructing Moses and Aaron on what animals are clean and unclean to consume, he lists owls and other birds such as vultures and ravens as abominations. That's interesting. In English folklore, owls have the unfortunate role of being the harbinger of doom, which, who else is a harbinger of doom? Yeah, the Mothman. Mothman. An owl flying past a window signifies an upcoming death in the family. In Mexico, the Aztec god of the dead. I would try to pronounce it, but everyone would murder me because I'd butcher it so bad. Is associated with owls and other nighttime critters such as bats and spiders. Mick, I don't think I can even say it. Mick, I don't even know what it Mick, looks like. Mictlantecutly? No. Tentacletly? I don't know. Make a little bite? Could be. 13th century medieval bestiary, screech owls signify the wailing of sinners in hell. Uh, some areas of the world, people believe that owls are actually humans that have tra- been transformed by witches due to their almost human-like faces when compared to other birds. Uh, there's also uh, evidence that a lot of early ghost stories could have been inspired by owls. Owls have always been creepy forever. They basically. do kind of have a creepy face Yeah, when you think about it. Yeah, so that theory is that it was just a big creepy bird. People were seeing it, and once that first story came out, once Doc Shields put that first story out, once those gears are grinding, 
when people see it, they're going to automatically attribute it to the Owlman. So next we have that Owlman, Kyle's favorite, yeah. was an alien. I can see that. This, of course, was popularized by the 2009 horror film The Fourth Kind, but there were reports of Al showing up way before Alien, or showing up before Alien Encounters, long before that film was ever released. Uh, Digging through UFO archives, archives of UFO research, Swedish UFO researchers, uh, researcher Hacken. Blomquist uncovered a number of curious reports supporting the connection between owls and UFOs. In the summer of 1980, Ingvar Oscar Johansson was driving uh, near this Swedish town that I can't pronounce while on holiday in Sweden when suddenly this a burst when suddenly the sky burst open with blue light and an owl landed on his windshield. Blumquist writes, the face of the owl appears to be very human. And this scares Ingvar as he feels like the owl is looking directly at him. Also from the archive was a story of two men traveling through uh, Dalarna in the summer of 1966 when they came across an owl sitting on a post at a rest stop. The two men claimed that a hovering, the hovering 150 meters in the air above the owl was a large silver craft. In an interview with Vice, author Mike Cleland talks about all kinds of eyewitnesses that he received sending their accounts in for his book, The Messengers, also supporting this connection between owls and aliens. One witness was named Ron Johnson, talked of a time when an absurd amount of owls took over his mother's front porch. For many days, the owls remained on the porch of the house, and one had a habit of always watching Johnson leave in the morning for work and return to the house in the evening. One night at midnight, Johnson felt a sudden urge to leave the house. When he did, he saw a four-foot owl standing in his driveway, waiting to exchange stares. Cleland says that these type of encounters aren't uncommon. It's interesting that uh, human-sized birds aren't restricted to just the owl man, but it also like appears in ufology quite a bit. Well, they should definitely be uncommon, because that would... Scare the shit we, out of me. Who who did we have talking about seeing? Kenneth. Kenneth talked about seeing a giant owl. Man, I don't. And I don't feel like that was the first. That was the first one we've had. No, either. I don't think so either. But I don't care who you are. If I walked outside and saw a legit, not an alien, but a four foot owl in my driveway, it would creep me the fuck out. Uh, yes. That would be terrifying in itself. Definitely. So, could, if owls aren't aliens themselves, could they possibly be tools used by the aliens to... I mean, why not? Keep an eye on humans. Could they be screen memories that where people are actually seeing... It is weird that they would... beings. <laughs> if that's true, it, it's weird that... They would use owls, of all things. Owls you know creepy. what I mean? They are creepy, but like, why would you, why would you pick something creepy? Why wouldn't you pick something familiar and like I don't know? Aliens are fucking like a, weird. A bunny rabbit. Could they? Could owls be an attempt of alien shape shifting into humans just gone wrong? Gross. <laughs> that fucking sucks. Yeah, that's not very <laughs> cool at all. 
Um, another section from McHugh's book that I mentioned earlier, Britain's Paranormal Forest, talks about a different connection between owls and aliens here. And this is quoted from the book. It has been suggested that aliens are able to influence the minds of people they abduct, substituting a more palatable conventional, conventional imagery, such as deers or owls, deer or owls, for what would otherwise be traumatic recollections of their abductors. These supposedly false recollections have been referred to as screen memories. So, um, if these screen memories are at play in the case of the Owlman, the creature seen around the Monan church could be an alien that has replaced its true image of itself with the image of something familiar and normal to humans, an owl. But the trauma from the event isn't completely forgotten, somehow manifesting a bizarre humanoid owl hybrid that the owl man witnesses claim that they see so the screen memory isn't totally doing its job because the actual sighting and abduction is so traumatic no <laughs> like that just sounds not i don't know like the, the overall description of owl man is just very bizarre yeah like i hate the fact that they describe it with backwards legs that bothers me so much for and some reason and multiple sightings, the multiple descriptions of having pincher-like crab claws for fucking feet. Weird. Which there was another alien. Was it the Pascagoula that also had crab claws? I think so. What the fuck? I don't know. Like, at first I thought maybe they just uh, misidentified it. Because really, I mean, if you think about it, if you looked at a bird that was perched, and it's had it had its... Little feet, I guess it kind of would look like a claw, yeah. right? Like if you couldn't tell that there were individual yeah. digits there, but then the fact that more and more people report the same thing of it being like this, like pincher type claw like thing there, it kind of makes you wonder a little bit. Yeah, it's weird. All right, so moving from the UFO connection on to uh, the elephant in the room that the owl man and the moth man are homies. One of the same Distant type cousins. Of Yep. Same sort of creature. Owlman and the West Virginia Mothman are the same type. Um, predating the Owlman by a little less than a decade, Owlman's American cousin, seen around Point Pleasant, uh, West Virginia, between 1966 and 1967, is the Mothman. The first reporting of the Mothman was by five men digging a grave and... Clindenin, who saw the shadow of a creature fly over their heads. It had a distinctively human shape, but it also had giant wings. Another sighting was by Roger and Linda Scarberry and Stephen Mary Mantle, who on November 15th of 66 had their car chased by a shadowy creature with glowing red eyes and a wingspan of at least 10 feet flying behind their car near the McClintic Wildlife Management Area, a former World War II munitions plant known locally as the TNT area. Uh, most of the Mothman encounters happened in the late 60s with occasional sightings still throughout the last decade. A um, little note here in one of the articles I found that talks about the National uh, Audubon Society Bard owls share a number of important characteristics with the Mothman as well as the Owlman. Includes a round head, black eyes, a 
preference to perch in forest, large wingspan, the ability to fly silent through the night. Bard Isle's eyes appear to glow red in the dark due to the large concentration of blood vessels in and around their eyes, which is important in your Owlman sightings because a lot of them reported with red glowing yeah. eyes. The main difference noted in this article between the Mothman and the Owlman is their temperaments. While the Mothman was no stranger to being aggressive and chasing his victims, Owlman, as noted, was just kind of just minding his he business. He was there. Yeah. Just, he just trying to chill in the graveyard, and all these right. teeny bopper girls are out there playing hide-and-seek and shit, and he's just trying to chill. You know, the there's two, two aspects to Owlman that kind of make me feel a little wonky. Uh, in a couple of the descriptions, how they stated it had a normal mouth, but a beak for a nose. Almost like uh Makes me feel like a costume. Like a plague doctor. Yes, that's exactly that's what, what I, I thought. thought. Yeah. And then also the other aspect would be that its wings in one of those descriptions moved like a cloak. Yeah. That's kind of sussy, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the the backward legs is you're not the human's yeah. not doing that. So if my legs are bending like that, just take me to the hospital. Yeah, that definitely where you need to be. Uh, things that the Owlman and Mothman have in common, noted from their sightings, is they both normally appear at night, outside of that first uh, Melling sister encounter. Uh, they both have. Very humanoid-esque bodies and large wingspans. Uh, both creatures appear to be about the size of a human. Despite Mothman's name, they are both more owl or bat-like in shape. If they, if Owlman and Mothman are real, they could definitely fit into the same category of these humanoid hybrids. Kind of the same as how Bigfoot and the Yeti would fall into the same. Right. Here... We're going to get a little crazy. Okay. All right. Shrouded Hand pulled this up in his uh, breakdown, and I had to add it in here. Ow, and it it's weird. Owlman is a tulpa or some other summon entity. This theory spans from 1931, when a group of surrealist artists congregated in Cornwall. These artists included Max Ernst, Leorna Carrington, Paul Elyrid, and E.L.T. Messens. Legend behind this meeting goes that this group was into all sorts of weird shit, including occultism. Oh, well, now it makes sense. And they would often go into the woods around Cornwall and do a vast variety of rituals, some including attempts to summon animal-human hybrids from other realms. Ernst himself had a weird obsession with birds, often referring to them in his art. He painted all kinds of different paintings... And again, if you look at Shrouded Hand's video, he posts examples of the paintings. And there are owl human, or there are bird humanoid hybrids. There's one, this one weird painting called uh, Children Scared by a Nightingale or something like that. And it shows two kids in a churchyard. Weird. And there's this little bird in the corner, but on top of the church, there is a man like figure running away with a child. Weird. Almost exactly to a T. Well, in getting into this, uh, we know another very famous occultist that did the same thing. Aleister Crowley. Yeah. And supposedly, 
when he was living by the old Loch Ness, he summoned entities while living there. And and that that sort of comes full circle. Oh, well, there you go. In, in a weird way. Anyway, back to Ernst having this obsession with fucking birds. He also is stated to have an alter ego named Loplop. That's dumb. That is this bizarre, shape-shifting bird humanoid entity. That Keep in mind, this like is all, help. and this is all before any of these sightings happened in the seventies. In the 70s. right, yeah. Uh, so theories connected to this was the Owlman summoned by these artists in their rituals. Did they try to pull some sort of animal-human hybrid from another dimension, from another realm, from hell, wherever the fuck you want it? And this thing just managed to poke through and was never noticed until the uh, Melling sisters sightings in 70. Did Loplop step out of one of Ernst's paintings into our realm and then that's, decided to that's hang That's creepy. Out? Yeah, that's... I was like... Oh. I mean, but I guess in this world, anything's possible. Did... The congregation of their energy and their intention of the surreal artists, along with Ernst's own fascination and focus on birds and bird-like humanoids, was it enough collective consciousness and energy that Owlman is a tulpa of Loplop? He was manifested by not only them focusing all their energy on humanoids, but also Ernst himself focusing all his energy on. I mean, I like it. I like that. I like where this is going. I like the theories of it. It's, I really do. There's one more. That's a banger. When shrouded hand said this, I'm like, what the fuck was Owlman a manifestation of the spirit of Ernst himself? Because oddly enough, Max Ernst passed away on April 1st, 1976. Okay. Less than two weeks before the Melling Girls had their first sighting of Owlman. That's fucking weird. <laughs> like, that's, there's no getting around that being weird. That's, that's fucked up, isn't it? That's super fucked up. <laughs> but like I said, I liked, I liked this whole little theory here because it all it's all plausible. Yeah. I mean, we've, it, we've it's extra a... weird that Ernst passes away and then less than two weeks... Weird shit starts popping up. Maybe him, maybe him dying was just enough energy to make make the Owlman manifest. Maybe. Now on to the worst theory that Doc Shields is a complete liar, and none of this is true. I mean, that's always a plausibility. Yeah, and it's there. There's there's some weight to it. Uh, we're going to play devil's advocate here and say that Doc Shields created the Owlman. The first reported sighting of the Owlman that I talked about, the Melling sisters, did not come from Don Melling or his children. It came directly from Tony Doc Shields. So we have no information from them, just what was recounted by Doc Shields. Right. So, as far as anyone who's researched it can find, 
There is no information about what happened on April 17, 1976 that has ever been verbally or written by the Melling family. Also, the legitimacy that there was a Melling family is called into play because nobody can actually find any proof of their existence. Hmm when looked upon. Right. I didn't dive into it myself just from what sources I looked into. I didn't like check British fucking birth certificates and shit, but from what I saw, there's not a lot of evidence that they actually existed. Um so diving further in to Doc Shields here, <clears throat> in 1976 he was a paranormal investigator. And aside from his role in breaking the actual Owlman story, he was also uh, and uh, also working on summoning a uh, sea monster Weird. off the coast of Foulmouth, Cornwall, <coughs> known as Morgar. So he did all this theatrical bullshit in on the coast to try to summon this fucking monster and uh he's also got all sorts of weird shit that he's into he's primarily known as an artist and a magician or a magician he was born in manchester in 1938 he studied in the blackpool school of arts and the Heatherly School of Fine Arts in England or in London. Moving to Cornwall in the 70s, he performed stage magic under the name Wizard of the West. And he formed his own theater com- company called Tom Fool's Theater of Tom Foolery. Along with his famous exploit, his role as a monster hunter and taking too good to be true hoax photographs of the Loch Ness Monster. So he took pictures of the Loch Ness Monster published them, and they were not real. So that's not looking good for the Owlman. Conjuring this other sea monster, he also took pictures of and was sent into a local paper. He didn't take pictures. A woman, I forget her name, took pictures and sent them into the paper, but a lot. Mary F., yeah. The newspaper packet in 1976 got pictures of Morgar from a woman named Mary F. It's often thought by the paranormal community that Mary F. was actually Shields attempting to bring publicity to his newly created creature by staging some obviously fake photographs. Um, It's stated that it's not dissimilar from uh, June Melling's drawing of the Owlman which was likely also manufactured by Shields. There was multiple drawings of the Owlman, and when you compare them side by side, uh, they look very similar. Very similar. Like the same hand drew them from different accounts. So what it boils down is to that Shields is almost connected to every one of these sightings in one way or another. So either he's the luckiest paranormal archivist in the world having all these people come to him about the Owlman, or he's making some of this shit up. 
It's not to say that all of it's made up because if he was attributed to the first story and put it out there, if people did legitimately see the Owlman, it's not that far-fetched to think that they went to Doc Shields to talk about it. Right, exactly. And be like, hey, I too saw this. Right. Kind of like the BFRO and people that see Bigfoot. The first thing you do is you go to the BFRO page. Yeah. You submit your site. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does sound a little sussy. <clears throat> and like there could be some legitimacy there. And I... I it wouldn't put it past me for someone to fake things like this, but no. And he went all out with this Morgar uh, summoning. He like the dude is fucking weird. He had a group of witches perform a naked ritual in the shallow waters for where he stated that this sea monster was going to emerge from. Turned out the naked witches were just three of his own daughters. Oh, that's weird. Weird, right? That's a little creepy, my guy. Yeah, and he was like, he was sus anyway because he released a bunch of books on, uh, like how to fake paranormal phenomenon and how to stir publicity and get famous in doing so. So he doesn't Thirsty. have that great of a background. No. Anyway, all it does is discredit yourself, you dummy. Yeah. Like, what are you? What are you doing? And he he owns it. Like in in an interview, he calls himself the a charlatan and a Montebank, which is just basically liars. You know, he's calling himself a liar. Oh well, I I just I don't even know what to do with that. Yeah. Like, well, you're just you you've utterly just destroyed anything that you've ever created. But then again, he stands by. The monster that he summoned on the coast of Cornwall that was he said it was not staged, and he was as surprised as anyone that the creature actually came out of the water. However, this was in the same interview where he calls himself a charlatan. He closes the interview with this line: "It's been a delight talking, but you mustn't believe a word I say." And then stops. So we have a bunch of Alman sightings where I think the only one not tied directly to Doc Shields was the biologist that sent it to the newspaper. But that also could be Doc Shields right. writing the story sent it to the newspaper. 100%. So either we have a really good UK humanoid Owlman, cousin of the Mothman, possible mm. alien entity, Man. screen memory, eccentric, occult... Tulpa, or we just have a washed-up old magician trying to get famous. Man, I don't know. There is that's a tough one. It sucks. I kind of feel like it might be that—that that it's him being a dick. Yeah. Again, go to Shrouded Hands YouTube channel and watch his episode. He touches on a lot of the same information that I put forth here, but he goes deeper into it, and he's got excellent visuals with pictures from Ernst and the drawings of the Owlman and all that shit which really brings the story together. But yeah, I mean... I also don't understand what people's fascination is with so many monsters. It just um, seems counterproductive to the human race. Yeah, you think so. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, 
look at us. We're we're not a species that's meant to survive. No, no, that's factual. We it build just, just doesn't seem very we build helpful. Continent killing weapons, and then we threaten to throw them at each other. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but anyway, I hope I hope it's not a made up fucking disaster. But it kind of sounds that way. Yeah, especially once you get to looking into it and you start kind of digging, you see that Doc Shields is connected to a lot of the sightings, and it's not far-fetched to think that he is writing into the newspapers, pushing forth this whole, what could possibly be an urban legend that he's creating. But that doesn't take away from the fact that Ernst and his surrealist friends did go to Cornwall before any of this shield stuff took place did reportedly perform humanoid summoning rituals in the forest and was obsessed and there's paintings to prove it with bird humanoid hybrid entities so I don't know this one's got me kind of messed up yeah did Shields know about the surrealist artist going and doing all this shit and he decided to capitalize on it? Maybe. Maybe. Did they really pull something out from this occult ritual that has been just rummaging through the forest of uh, Monan? Maybe. Maybe. Is Shields just a liar? Confirmed. Yeah, he's he definitely a liar. <laughs> but did he fake this specific paranormal phenomenon? That's the question. Oh, man. And, I don't know either. And it could om- I don't know. It could almost be some. I'm literally gonna say tomfoolery. <laughs> That's right. yeah. Not just a clever name, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it literally. But, but what if he's just like almost doing the occultist thing by being like, "Hey, here's what it is," but maybe it's not. Yeah. Or wink, wink. Or he's focusing all this energy toward it. Which, I mean, it could be, if it was Shields, it could be his homage to Ernst since it just took off two weeks after Ernst died. Yeah. Then all of a sudden this bird-like humanoid entity pops up. I don't know. It's weird, man. It's weird. You go down a lot of different roads with it. Yeah. When I got into the theories, I'm like, once it started rolling because... I'd look at this article and they'd be like, oh, maybe it was an alien. And then like Shrouded Hand was the only one I heard bring up these surrealist artists. And then he he rolls off with it, maybe maybe them summoning it and it possibly being a tulpa. And then he made that connection of Ernst dying the weeks prior to the Owlman sighting. And I was like, holy shit. That is really weird. Yeah. That's that a is really, strange really coincidence. Weird. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know. Hopefully that's what it is. And it doesn't seem like a malicious entity. It just seems like it's just there. And you, I mean, you really, and it's really weird that it would hang out at churches. And you'd think if he was going to, he would spice it up a little bit. Like it's just people seeing it and it flying away. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing ultra special. You, you feel like you'd be very dismissive by a lot of people. Yeah. Be like, okay, you're, you're not smart, but it does. It does make you wonder. I'm kind of digging, diving into all of these uh, cryptid humanoids, my bad. Humanoids from... Humanoids are cool. All over, all... Ones that aren't uh, 
like native to us because we see a lot and go over a lot of the u.s ones yeah diving yeah. into some of these weirder ones is or some of the ones that just aren't from home you, it's yeah, remember, remember when the humanoid sightings in, Me- in the mexico was happening the flying ones yeah 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 those ones are bizarre i still watch those videos i know it's fucking weird it is weird the world is weird but thanks for hanging out with us today hope your monday goes well hope your kids had a wonderful halloween last week hope they got tons of candy and ate it all heck yeah every last Reese's peanut butter cup gone every last snickers gone but until next week thanks for hanging out with us Check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Discord, Reddit. Come and be part of the Hollow Cult. Be sure to share the show. We're trying to steady climb. We'll hopefully be at a million by the time this falls on your ears. Heck yeah. And our friends, stay safe. Stay weird. And if you see an eccentric man trying to coax you into signing uh affidavit that you saw a flying bird-like hybrid entity know that he is probably trying to trick you